This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You've grown from 2,000 to 700,000 subscribers on YouTube from January, and we're sitting here in November. Like, it's absolutely wild. Because... When I was 12 years old, I got my first computer for my birthday. And being a South Asian, not being allowed out of the house, I needed a hobby to keep myself occupied. I feel like a lot of people fall into the trap of looking at what everyone else is doing and then trying to replicate it. It's like the world doesn't need another one of them. They need need one of you. Just like how you would start a business, I feel like the same goes for a YouTube channel. What are you going to bring that's unique, that's going to make people follow you and know they can't get that anywhere else? I imagined what the best, most confident version of myself would be, how she would act, how she would talk, what she would do. And then I channeled that. The more that you push yourself outside of your comfort zone, the more stuff you actually get out and do, the more trust you build within yourself. And you're like, actually, every single time I try to put my mind to something, I do it. That means now I can do anything. This is the biggest lesson that I learned from my journey. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Invent Your Mind. Today's guest is gonna blow your mind. She grew from 2,000 subscribers to 700,000 subscribers in less than 10 months. So if you're struggling with your confidence, if you think it's too late to join the content creation game, and if you are dealing with a breakup, Tam is gonna tell you how you can level up and uncover so many things going to make you live the best version of your life. I really hope you all enjoy this episode, so let's get into it. Tam, welcome to Millennial Mind. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to have you here because you are the secret. You are going to tell me how I grow my YouTube. Finally, I have someone here to tell me all their secrets and someone here to tell everyone at home all their secrets because you grew from 2,000 subscribers to 700 subscribers in 10 months. That is unheard of, it's wild, it's unbelievable. And I think that you have such a unique and authentic story and I know it's gonna help so many people today. Mm -hmm. But let's start at the beginning. Yes. When did you you start YouTube? Um, One thing a lot of people don't know is I actually started when I was 14. So that's almost 10 years ago. Um, I've always been super creative, super into filming. And when I mustered up a little bit of courage to do a little YouTube channel outside of school, I did it for about a year. I got 300 subscribers and then I got really shy because it just wasn't going anywhere. People at school knew, so I felt embarrassed. And then I just quit it, shut down the channel to focus on my GCSEs, uni and all of that. But that desire never really went away. So... At the end of my first year of uni, I just, I was like, I need to do this again. I had just built up a following on Instagram and TikTok. So I felt like that urge was coming back. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And YouTube was like my ultimate dream. Really? Yeah. So I started it again. Do you feel like it's like a millennial dream? Like, I know, I think you're Gen Z though, aren't you? Yes. So as a millennial, I feel that a lot of people either went into YouTube really early, so like older millennials, but my generation were kind of like, we're too late. Mm. But then Gen Z are like, no, we're never too late. And they're also really focused on it. Yeah. So do you think it's too late to start a YouTube channel? Never. Really? Not not at all. I 
was almost thinking that just because of the rise of new social media platforms and YouTube definitely had its time in like 2014, 2015. Everyone was a YouTuber. Everyone had a book deal. But with my journey, I've learned it's never too late. You can always bring something to the table that no one's spoken about before. And even if they have, you have a particular tone Mm. or a particular story that you can bring that people are waiting to hear. And you shouldn't allow what everyone else is doing to dictate what you really want to do. Like if you have a passion for that media format, for that platform, then you should go go for it. So you were starting on Instagram and TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. What were you kind of talking about on there? Um, initially it was fashion because that's what I've always really liked. So just outfit pictures, um, TikTok was the same. And then it was sort of evolving into lifestyle. I was vlogging uni. Okay. Um, so I didn't really care so much about the content I was producing. It was more the fact that I got to make content because I loved editing and I loved filming. I learned that when I was 12 years old. Yeah. Why did you love it so much? I hate editing. Because when I was 12 years old, I got my first computer for my birthday. And being a South Asian, not being allowed out of the house, I needed a hobby to keep myself occupied. So I was playing around on my computer and I found this editing software. So I would download other videos from YouTube of like the royal wedding of the Olympics and I would make edits of them. And I fell in love with that process. So that's when I decided to do content creation for myself. That is so interesting. I love that. Yeah. And so you kind of, so you were still studying at the time, right? What were you studying at uni? Uh, marketing. Okay. Yeah, so it all kind of links in. And yeah, I was just going to say, did that link in to, to kind of starting your YouTube job? It did not. I actually didn't want to go to university. I also tried to go to my family midway through and said I wanted to drop out, but they wouldn't let me. So. <laughs> obviously brown parents will be like never and because I didn't want to go and because I also just wasn't very academic I just thought let me pick something that's easy and if it comes to the point where I have to get a job it can be somewhat enjoyable and maybe a little bit creative and marketing just felt like the answer Um, initially I did want to study film but I scared myself out of it because I thought it wasn't realistic Okay, talk to me about that. Because a lot of the time now you talk around manifesting, you talk around removing all limiting beliefs, you talk about like blockers. You weren't always that way, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people, if they watch your stuff now, they'll look at you and think you're so confident. You must have known all of the stuff. You must have been this person from the beginning. You know, we don't Mm -hmm. ever see that kind of journey of like people have evolved and grown. We just see the end product. So were you raised in that way? Were you always so confident? Did you always believe that you could achieve anything you wanted? I was the exact opposite of everything that I am now. Like I could not talk to new people. I would not be able to sit here and do this podcast right now. I wasn't confident to dress the way I wanted to, to act, to even believe in myself. My whole self-perception and self-talk was completely skewed. So when it came to things like the fact that film was my real passion, I used to think more about what other people thought of me and how that would come across rather than if I was actually able to do it. Mm. Yeah. And do you think that was ingrained in you as a child? A little bit, yeah. I think being South Asian plays into it a lot. Like you really need to cater towards other people's needs and pleasing them and especially making something of yourself for your family. Mm. You can't really be selfish. I had to teach myself that quality later on in life. And what kind of made you jump back into YouTube? Because like you said, you were on Instagram, you were on TikTok. Why did you perhaps not just say, okay, I'm going to hone in on these two platforms because I'm already on them. I really love them. Why did you kind of just start another YouTube channel? 
Because with Instagram and TikTok, sometimes it felt a little bit shallow to me. And I felt mm. like I know I have talent when it comes to editing and, and creation. And these platforms aren't giving me the chance to do that. It's, you know, it's take a selfie or it's recorded 10 second video. And that wasn't enough for me. And I think there's so much noise on those platforms with what everybody else is doing. And there's also a certain expectation to yeah. look a certain way, to use a certain filter. With YouTube, everyone's doing everything. And I feel like there's actually a place for everyone to be successful in what they're doing. Whereas on a place like Instagram, you feel pressure to be like the Instagram girl and to look a certain way. It's so true. Yeah. I think that we are constantly sold a narrative of like the it girl yes and what that it girl aesthetic is and at the moment it's an ugg aesthetic i literally yes. see uggs everywhere on my for you page and often it can feel really overwhelming you know last year i kind of was in that phase of i felt like i was going to so many events and even this year and there's times i go there and i'm like i don't really feel like i dress as nice as everyone I feel like they all like look really aesthetic I'm there like in my trainers and my socks changing in the lift before I get in the room you know and everyone I'm just like I, I come on the train like how am I meant to wear a nice dress on the train yeah. with heels and have my hair slicked back and have my hair done every day like it's really overwhelming I think if you ask most people they'll say I don't compare myself to anyone right but when you're scrolling on Instagram and you're seeing something that you like subconsciously you're thinking I like that and therefore naturally sometimes you're comparing yourself mm -hmm. and you'll compare yourself on so many different occasions and if you're not aware of things then it'll just come up to you one day right and I think that that's the problem with Instagram you don't have that connection yeah. with the person you're following whilst on YouTube you don't instantly compare yourself because you're hearing the story exactly and they're totally different platforms when you're looking at someone's Instagram grid and they're showing something you're just looking at it thinking oh they're so lucky they have that oh yeah. I wish I had that how do you know the story behind it you don't mm. and so I, I think that's so true so if someone wants to start a YouTube channel right now and they're thinking there's loads of people within my niche you know I'm I'm too young or I'm too old what was it that you did that you could give advice to someone else to do so I realized pretty late that I wanted to talk about uh, self-development and there were quite a few people out there doing that, really big creators doing it. And I didn't care that anybody else was doing it because I always knew there's some there's something different that I need to be able to bring in order to grow. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people fall into the trap of looking at what everyone else is doing and then trying to replicate it. It's like the world doesn't need another one of them. They yes. need some, they need a one of you. <laughs> so I would search the kind of videos that I wanted to create, how to be confident, how to manifest. And I would look at what everyone else is doing and then try and find a gap in the market. Just like how you would start a business, I feel like the same goes for a YouTube channel. What are you gonna bring that's unique, that's gonna make people follow you and know they can't get that anywhere else. So it can come in the form of loads of different things, whether it's what you talk about, how you talk about it, even how you edit, how you storytell. I know that there are some people who won't just sit in front of the camera. They'll do like a whole acting thing for yeah. their video. And I love that. Um, what your thumbnails look like, how you are titling your videos and using SEO, how you market yourself, or even just down to your personality can make the world of a difference and how you explain something. The number one comment I get on majority of my videos is, this is the best video I've seen on X because of the way you explain it, because you covered it in this way. Mm. And that's how I know I did my job correctly. But um, I think the first step is to do the research to see what's out there. Is that what you did? That is exactly what I did. I spent a lot of time doing that. So talk me through that process. How old were you when you were doing this? 
This was recently. This was January of this year. <laughs> I can't believe that you've grown from 2,000 to 700,000 subscribers on YouTube from January and we're sitting here in November. Like, it's yeah. absolutely wild. So in January, you were thinking, okay, you have finished university now. You Did you want to do YouTube full-time? Was that your 100% focus? It was... A mix between Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. Like wanting Fine. to do social media. I didn't know that YouTube was going to be the one. Fine. Okay. Yeah. So you were researching on YouTube all of those different videos, right? What was the gap in the market you found? Growing up, I had so many issues around I couldn't be confident and I couldn't talk to people or make friends. So I was Googling throughout my entire life how to do certain things. And I would feel so frustrated every single time I read an article or watched a video. I felt like my question wasn't answered. So I went about it in a way of my videos need to have a particular structure. You will never click on one of my videos where I won't l tell you what yeah. the chapters are of each video and make it as concise as possible. On top of that, if I'm making a video about confidence, I look at what everybody else is saying on the internet about confidence. And then I think if I was watching this and if I was trying to learn something, what do I feel like they haven't covered? And then basing it also on my own journey of confidence and trying to fill out those gaps. Um, similarly, I'll go on TikTok and I'll do my research there. What are some controversial things people are saying about confidence? And then covering that as well. Mm. So it's this is the thing. I think when people see your YouTube videos, they're probably thinking, what? How on earth are you doing that? You're doing one YouTube video a week, yeah? And you've got 700,000 subscribers. Must be really easy, right? How, people just naturally come up with these scripts. And I remember Ali Abdal saying that he spends hours hours and days sometimes on one script. And Mr. Beast says the same. Yeah. He's like, sometimes it takes me three days to write a script for one 10 minute video. Mm. And that's what people don't see is all of that work underneath. But you touched on confidence there and you've talked about it quite a lot. You said you were the opposite of what you are right now. And a lot of people right now who are watching and listening to this thinking, I think I've got something to offer. And I think I want to start a YouTube channel, but I'm so scared. How on earth do I do it? Mm. With confidence, I think there's, confidence isn't the same for everybody because there's so many different elements to confidence. And I was talking about this with my friend the other day and he was saying, I'm really socially confident. I can walk into a room and I can talk to anybody, mm -hmm. no matter how big and famous they are. But my self-talk isn't really there. And sometimes I criticize myself. Yeah. And I said, well, th that's just it. Like you, you can be confident in one area and not others. And you need to understand where it is that you lack first before you start trying to think, okay, now what should I do? And that's why you can't look at somebody else and think, oh, I, I'm trying to be like them. I'm trying to be confident like them. What is it that you can improve on? Maybe you're super social, but you have a lot of self-doubt and a lot of perfectionism. Maybe it's that you're good in all areas, but a lot of the time you care about what other people think about you. Mm. And then you really want to hone in on that. Your most viewed video, the lucky girl syndrome. Tell me about that. What does that mean? Lucky girl syndrome is just another word for manifestation. I feel like it's just a nickname that the TikTokers use to kind of make it easier to understand for Gen Z. It's trying to build the most positive mindset so then you can see more positive results in your life because what you think you create. It's all about law of attraction, believing that you're capable of your dreams, thinking things into reality mm. and, and placing yourself into those rooms that you want to be in. I always, one of the affirmations that I say every day is I am so lucky and good things always happen to me. Yeah. 
and I genuinely do believe, and I'm not joking, that I think I'm the luckiest person in the world. Every time I'm faced with an obstacle, something will come up and I'll be like, I know it's going to be fine. Yeah. Like there's last week I was going through a really difficult time with so many things and I was like, but I know it's always going to be okay. I genuinely have that belief. It's not even that I feel like I'm lying to myself weirdly. I genuinely do believe that. And I do think that when I'm constantly focusing on the good, good things will happen, right? Because I spoke to someone the other day and they told me that the reason why they were so successful is because all they do is focus on the good things in their life and focus on the things that they can control. Mm. She was she was telling me that she's going through a really difficult time and she said, I don't even give 1% of my energy to that. I cannot control it. It's not a good thing that's happening. It's gonna get me down and that is gonna control the next thing that I do. So what is fooling your actions? Your dreams or your fears? Because they're both in your imagination. Yeah. So if you're gonna imagine something, why would you focus on the fear? Why wouldn't you focus on your dreams? And that for me was so revolutionary because I thought, so true, right? And so linking that back to kind of your own experience, did you always believe in manifestation? Did you always believe in the lucky girl syndrome? I only came across the law of attraction in 2020. It was when COVID had hit and I was reading a a lot more books. So I read The Secret Mm -hmm. and that's when I was introduced to it. And I thought, this makes a lot of sense and I, I need to try it because I think I was really plagued by my past for a lot of my life. Mm. It's like five years had passed, but I was still viewing myself as my 15 year old self. Makes no sense. I still felt like that awkward shy girl in school, even though that's not who I am anymore. How interesting. What do you mean by that? Do you feel that that was natural to you or you were focusing on that? I think I was focusing too much on that. I was focusing too much on the past and I wasn't taking I wasn't seeing the opportunity in the present of who I could become. Mm. It's like, this bad thing has happened to me for a certain period of time, so now that's who I am. Oh, 100%. Self-fulfilling prophecies happen all the time and we don't even realize that they're happening. So one of my friends, she came to me and she said, look, I really struggled last night because I know that nobody liked me in that room. And I said, why? And she said, well, when I went there, no one spoke to me. And I said, okay, did did you speak to anyone? And she was like, I tried. And I was like, tell me what happened. She was like, I went there, everyone was talking. So I went to go to the toilet and then I came back in the room and I just felt everyone was looking at me funny. Mm. So then I just left. Yeah. And I said, okay, if you go into a room and you don't make conversation and you go to the toilet, it's so easy for you to think that everyone's looking at you funny, but actually they perhaps just haven't seen you or they're just looking over to see, oh, there's yeah. a new face. But what you're telling yourself in that moment is nobody likes me. And therefore, if somebody does come and say like, hey, how are you? You're just gonna think they're doing it out of pity or they're doing it because they have to or they're doing it because whatever the thoughts that you have in your head are, that's gonna become your reality. And you're gonna walk away from an experience with a totally different experience than somebody else. And I understand that and I think that it's really difficult if you are introverted and you are really shy to get out of that mindset. So how did you get out of that mindset? It started with fake it till you make it. And I think that really got me through this this big difference of living a certain way for so long, being in my own shell and just sitting comfortably there. It was when I went to university, I was in a new city, no one was gonna know who I was there. So I just pretended to be like a confident person. I was putting on an act the entire time. 
What? Yeah. What do you mean pretended to be? Did you just wake up one day and said, I'm going to just pretend to be confident? I imagined what the best, most confident version of myself would be, how she would act, how she would talk, what she would do. And then I channeled that. It's like an alter ego almost. Um, So on the first day of university, we just moved in. It was late afternoon and I went and I knocked on all of the doors of the flats of my floor in my building, the floor above and the floor below. And I said, I'm hosting a pre-drinks at my flat tonight. Come and let's all get to know each other. And I was dying on the inside. I was terrified. And I didn't think anyone was going to show, but they did. And it was a little bit awkward, but everyone started to make conversation. And we all stayed friends for the rest of the year just because of that. That, so you took that first initial step and that changed everything for you? That changed everything because I was like, this was something that I thought was so uncomfortable and so terrifying, but look, I did it. And look at the amazing result I got from it. And I talk about this in my content as well. I call it your portfolio of proof. The more that you push yourself outside of your comfort zone, the more stuff you actually get out and do, the more trust you build within yourself. And you're like, actually, every single time I try to put my mind to something, I do it. That means now I can do anything. A hundred percent. I talk about the same thing. I always tell people that once you do something once, it is going to be so much easier for you to do it the next time. Because yeah. if you don't do it, you've already failed at it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say to me, how do you ask loads of celebrities to be on your podcast? And I'm like, well, if I don't ask them, then the answer is no. Yeah. I have no shame and no scare to ask anyone. And I once actually waited outside a changing room that Harry Styles was in oh with a pen and a piece of tissue. And I said to him, can you write your email address down on here? And he did. Oh my God. We haven't got the interview yet, as you can see. <laughs> the point is, is that the only reason I was able to do that is because I've asked people 101 times before. So why is it any different in asking him? Mm. Right? And people always say, aren't you scared? And I'm like, scared of what? I'm already rejected. Yeah. If I haven't asked them, I'm rejected at the moment. So it's only a win for me. Mm. And I think that's what we're afraid of is taking that first step. But that first step is probably the most important one you'll ever take because it leads you to create all of the next steps. And also, why are we always putting other people on pedestals? Why is it scary to talk to this other human being and ask them to be on our podcast or our show or whatever? So true. Why do you automatically assume that you're lower than them? And it's the same thing as like walking into a room and because people are staring at you now, all of a sudden you automatically assume they're thinking something bad about you? What if they're admiring you from afar? What if they love the way that you're dressed? What if they're trying to work up the courage to talk to you? And I think that's where the confidence and self-perception comes into play. Like once you work on that, all of that fear goes away. Because now you're like, why, why wouldn't anybody like me? They haven't even spoken to me yet. It can only be positive from there. I love that. That's such an interesting perception because you're so right. Naturally, we're wired to think that if somebody's looking at us, if somebody's nervous, or if somebody is coming up to us, they're gonna say something negative, right? When you walk into a room and everyone's staring at you, we don't see that as necessarily a positive thing, but why can't it be? Yeah. And I think what you're sharing is essentially that inner work that you've done has allowed you to switch that from a negative thing to a positive thing. And now actually you're able to see that in a more positive way. Mm-hmm. But for people who are at home who are struggling right now with their confidence and their self-belief, What's some of the things that you did to get yourself out of that? The first thing I would say is a self-evaluation. You need to go through what your weaknesses are and try and work back from them to figure out what is holding you back because what you're lacking isn't necessarily what everybody else is lacking when it comes to confidence. 
And then I would say you actually have to get out and do something. You can't sit at home all day long and complain, why am I not confident? Why can I not do this? Try something, try anything, join a class, meet a new person, you know, DM them, ask them for a coffee, um, set up your YouTube channel, post your first picture on social media, whatever it is for you is going to give you experience and allow you to realize actually these things I'm building up in my head to be so scary. And then you do them and it's nothing. You talk a lot about personal responsibility and you're talking a lot around manifesting and a lot of the time people don't think that they go hand in hand but actually manifesting is not about just wishing and creating your dream life is not just going to happen a lot of your audience say that you've created your dream life do you think anyone can create their dream life yes a hundred percent a hundred percent tell me if i'm at home right now and i'm saying tam actually let's use me as an example okay I have been doing my podcast for three years. I'm not going growing on YouTube. What should I do? Stop focusing on the fact that you're not growing. Everybody is like, this isn't working, this isn't working, but what if it works tomorrow? This is the biggest lesson that I learned from my journey. Every single day I was taking the same step. Every single day I was researching, making a video, trying to perfect my craft. Every single day you're going to take a step, but you don't know which day is going to be the step that takes you moves you exponentially closer towards your goal and that's exactly what happened to me I didn't know that one Tuesday I was going to wake up and now my video was viral and that can happen to absolutely anyone and I also think those moments of slow growth have to happen for a reason I had slow growth for, for three years and I'm so glad that happened because that is what pushed me to sit down one day and think I need to re-strategize and think what can I offer that nobody else is doing if everything was easy I wouldn't have thought that and I know that the only reason I grew this fast was because of that strategy. Mm. Everyone's like, how did you do it? You're so lucky, you know. No, I sat down and I thought about that every single day for weeks as to how I was going to get here. I always knew I was going to get here. Those slow periods of growth are actually really powerful. I 100% agree. I think that often when you're doing something every single day, it can feel really grueling. But I have the same belief I'm like so confident that that channel is going to go viral and explode. And it's so sweet because there's be like two people comment being like, this channel's going to blow up and I'm going to be here for it one day. And you're so right because I had the same with my podcast. Everyone's like, you grew overnight. I'm like, no, no, no. I was doing it for two years before that. Just nobody was watching. And it's so much more valuable and so much more rewarding when you've been through those hard days because you appreciate it so much more. And I also think the reason I asked you that question was not actually personal. It was more that everyone is so focused on growth. Everyone is so focused on how do I grow? How do I get more numbers? How do I get more subscribers? Why do you want them? Why do you want them? Why? And Mr. Beast talks about this as well. Subscribers don't matter. Followers don't matter. Views don't matter. All that matters is are you producing good content? Are you producing better content every time? And everyone who I've spoken to who is a successful YouTuber or who has, is a successful podcaster or whatever, all they focused is on the content and the craft. So in business, you won't hear a lot of people saying, oh, I was so focused on getting loads and loads of sales. Some people are, and that's great, but the ones who do exponentially well are the ones that focus on my value and my why behind why I'm creating this product because I'm obsessed with this product and I'm obsessed with making it better. And that's why I wanted to ask you that question is, I think everyone who's watching and listening to this 
will probably want the answer to that question, how do I grow? But the answer should actually be, how do I make my content better? How do I make my purpose better? And how do I make my product or my service even better, right? 100%. One of the things that everyone keeps honing in on right now is a high value woman, you know? We all have feminine and masculine energy, but talk to me about it. Do you think that we're kind of merging them at the moment? Why is it important we tap into our feminine energy as women? Everybody is definitely merging it. There's such a crossover. Everybody's saying there's a sassy man apocalypse right now because men are really getting in tune to their feminine energy. And they're like, but what am I going to get from this? And when are you going to pay the bill? <laughs> and it's like, oh, and you know, women have been taught not to depend on men anymore. Not that they should, but to become hyper independent, actually that the entire weight of the world has to fall on their shoulders, that they have to do everything and solve everything. And it's not safe for us to rely on others to support us through our problems anymore. And I think that's where it gets really dangerous. And I feel like I was actually raised to be in my masculine energy and to do everything for everybody else all the time, to not rely on a man, to not think that I was would ever really receive every, anything from a relationship other than just being in a relationship. And as a result of being that way, all of my past relationships were, I was attracting feminine men who, who wanted to take from me rather than allow me to live my soft girl life, which is a, what feminine energy is about. And when I did the work and I started to shift, I'm now in a relationship where I feel so safe and catered to all of the time. I know if I have a problem, my partner's gonna come running. And I've never experienced anything like that. But people get it twisted. They think, oh, you know, why would you depend on a man? That's not responsible. It's not about that. You can be independent. You can be ambitious. You can work towards your dreams. I am all about that life. I always have been. It's about creating a safe space where you know that you can be taken care of. This is so interesting to me because I think I have a similar upbringing from you. I'm very much raised in my masculine energy, yes. but I'm very aware of that. Yeah. Why is that a bad thing? What does that mean when we're when we're talking around reliance? Because I've always I've actually openly spoken about this on this podcast, where I've said I did find it difficult to rely on my current partner. Yeah. Because I've just never relied on anyone. Why is that a bad thing? To me, it's because you're no longer in touch with yourself. When you can't rely or trust somebody else, especially your partner, that manifests in different ways where you might be passive aggressive, mm. you might want to control every single outcome which is everything that goes against femininity, that's masculine energy. And although yes, everybody's supposed to have the balance of both, we need to be more in tune with our feminine. So then we can live in the way that we were supposed to, to be taken care of, to receive, to be in this fluid flowing energy. We're not supposed to overwork ourselves and be stressed all the time and try to provide for everyone 24 seven. So women who want to be a provider, is that wrong? It's not wrong. I think okay. it's, it depends on what you want to do. I always say live in whatever way makes you happy, but don't allow yourself to get to a point where just because you've been burnt in the past, now you are mistrustful and you're not going to allow yourself to experience all of the things you deserve. Talk to me about that. What do you mean? So to the people who have gotten their heart broken repeatedly and then they swear off relationships and love, but we're supposed to experience love and we're social creatures and we're supposed mm. to have these partnerships. And people get really obsessed with power and ego. Mm. So they isolate themselves and they become hyper independent. And I know this because I went through the exact same thing. Yeah. I was trying to heal my broken heart. So I spent a year dating myself and being single. 
And it was really hard at first, but I got through it. But I took it too far. I became hyper independent. I was dating men just for the fun of it. I didn't care about a relationship. I didn't care about commitment. I didn't care about friendships either. I was like, I just want to succeed and I want to be ambitious and that is that. And in the end, that just causes a really deep unhappiness. It's so interesting. I think I really agree with you in terms of the, the dependence thing because I had that growing up. You know, I was told to not rely on anyone. And then when you get into a relationship, it is weird because you need to rely on each other. But I do understand what you're saying about the feminine energy because I do think as women, you want to feel safe. But I also do think that the narrative around we're not meant to work so hard can be a bit dangerous because I think a lot of the time what we're seeing online, especially with certain people out there, I'm not going to say their names, they are very much boxing women in the way that they should be and men in the way that they should be. When you're talking around masculine, masculine and feminine energy, does this apply to everyone? I think it's different for everybody, depending on what you want your life to look like. So it is personal. It doesn't necessarily yeah. matter around what the feminine energy is saying. Because let's say you're, for example, attracted to a man who is going to be the primary caregiver and you want to be the breadwinner would that mean that you're tapping into your masculine energy but that works for you you're tapping into your masculine energy but if that's the life you want to live then you can tap into your feminine energy in different ways and that's the way how you spend your home life how you even lo look and at and interact with everybody in your life are you comparing yourself to others mm. how confident are you um are you possessive are you controlling mm. it's not so much about who's the breadwinner or not Got it. a lot of people see a provider mentality or relationship as the man needs to earn all of the money and the woman will stay home no he can be a provider he can stay at home and be and provide for you in the fact that when you have a problem he comes running and he fixes it for you or when you need someone to talk to he stops everything and he listens and that's him providing for your needs it doesn't have to be that you now have to give up your dreams and your job that's so interesting. So it's not necessarily around the old traditional roles that we define to be masculine and feminine, no, yeah. but it's actually around understanding different ways in which we can tap into that energy. Yes. So when you said you did loads of work, what does that mean? What did you go through to kind of say, okay, this is what has happened. This is what I need to change. And this is where I need to go. Because there's going to be people watching and listening thinking, oh my God, I think I need to tap into my feminine energy more. How do I do that? I think my one year of solo dating really helped. Okay. And just coming back to myself and realizing what was important. I had a lot of bad relationships in the past, but I don't regret it because I feel like every single one taught me a different lesson. And I think I was coming into these relationships and I was teaching the boys how to be a boyfriend, how to be emotionally intelligent, yeah. how to communicate. And that, once again, is you stepping out of your feminine energy to teach someone how to treat you. Mm. When you get so comfortable spending time on your own, you, you don't crave a relationship. You don't need anybody to come and save you the right person eventually is attracted to you. And then because your standards are so high, because you've been able to spend time alone, that's when you get the healthy relationship. That's when you attract somebody who wants nothing more than to live alongside you and make your life easier and vice versa. When you are out of touch with yourself and you are constantly seeking out other people and external validation, that's when you attract all of these people that want to take from you or don't treat you well. What you portray yourself as is what other people will see in you. So if I tell you that I'm really insecure and I'm not confident and I'm struggling with this, guess what? That is what you are gonna see within me. Yeah. The whole fake it till you make it doesn't work because you are faking it. You do have to do that in a work yeah. and really figure out who it is you wanna become because if I don't believe I'm worthy, 
how can I expect you to believe I'm worthy? Mm. If I don't believe in myself, how can I expect you to not believe in myself? And I remember my friend once said to me, who do you love the most in the world? Who do you love? My grandparents. There we go. I said my mom. And she said no. Me. The person you should love the most is yourself. Mm. There is one person on this planet that you will spend the rest of your life with. There is one person that you can never break up from. There is one person that you will always have with you. And that is you and your mind and yourself. And we always say, who do you love the most in the world? My boyfriend, my husband, my partner, my mom. Yeah. The person you should love the most is you. And we forget that. Mm. We're not taught that in school, right? Self-love is not a thing in school. Yeah. We're just not taught about any of these things. We're just taught stupid things like what's pi squared. I mean, that hasn't <laughs> helped me in my life at all. But when you're talking around this stuff, it seems like you were in a place where you were changing so many things, right? When, when you're telling me, you're like, I reassessed my YouTube and I changed that. And then I reassessed my life and I was like, I'm going to change that. Was there a breaking point for you that you thought, do you know what, I've had enough? Or was this a slow and gradual thing? Because you've made drastic changes for someone who couldn't talk on camera, who was like, I'm just going to make my YouTube channel. From yeah. someone who's like, I'm very shy. Everyone come to me for pre-drinks. Like, they're very big jumps. Mm. What's really funny is my biggest breaking points have always come right after a breakup because it really makes me take a step back and look at my life and think I was in this for so long and I shouldn't have been. Why? And what can I do now moving forward to improve? Yeah, if I were to assess a pattern in my life, it's always been right after a breakup. I really start on my self-improvement journey. And I think that's how it had to happen for me. I was a really big serial data and I was constantly in and out of relationships. Once I got out of that pattern and I focused on myself, then it became a constant thing. Every single day I woke up and I thought, how can I be 1% better today? Um, but yeah, no, those breakups motivated me in different ways. After one, it was, I just want to create my dream life and I want to stop with the dating. So I did my YouTube. Another one was, I need to change my dating standards now and alter what I'm going for. And another one was, I need to completely stop dating now and just focus on myself. When you're talking around dating and you're saying that after everyone, you kind of reevaluated your life. Breakups are really tough. They can crush you. And I know a lot of people have reached out to me and they've said, I just can't find the motivation after a breakup. How did you find the motivation? Not only to, you know, get out of that, but also to make sure that you improved yourself. I love breakups. I, I don't think they should be sad. I don't think it's this horrible, bad thing where you can't get out of bed. 100% you need to grieve the fact that you lost somebody that you really loved and you guys will no longer be in touch. But this is your time to enter your villain era. And every single time I go through a breakup, I'm like, this is my time to shine. You would not be breaking up with someone if you were still meant to be with them. That's just the fact of the matter to me. And you had to be in that relationship for that particular season and then leave it to now grow and evolve into the next version of who you're going to be and then have your next partner. Definitely told that you should maybe date maybe one person but then marry the next person you meet. Yeah. And there's this amazing movie. Have you seen it? It's called Dear Zindagi. Yes. Have you seen it? I rewatched it the other day. <laughs> Shah Khan is a therapist and Ali Abad is his patient. And she comes in and she says, I had this horrible dream last night. I was wearing an Indian outfit, like a marriage suit, and everyone was staring at me and laughing at me. And she said, I think it's because I've been in yet another failed relationship. 
And he said, why is that a bad thing? And she said, you know, well, you know, going through so many relationships and going through so many breakups, it just feels like everyone's laughing at me and they think I'm dirty and they think there's something wrong with me and I'm too fussy or I'm too picky. And that's what a lot of people say, right? And he said, when you go into a shop and you're looking for furniture, do you just buy the first sofa that you see or do you sit on it? Do you make sure it's okay? Do you test it out? Mm. You sit on it and test it out, right? You don't just buy it. And so if that's for a piece of furniture, then why is it in a relationship you're not allowed to test it out? You recited that so well. That was spot on. (laughs) I've watched it many times. (laughs) But the point is, is that with relationships, this narrative of I just know, it Mm. just clicked. We just knew at the moment we met. Great. Some people walk into a shop and they just know exactly what they want to buy. Some people like to browse. Some people like to try things on. Some Mm -hmm. people like to think about it. And we're put on this planet thinking we should all follow one path. And I think that 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 example showed me so much that we should have no shame in being in a relationship. Because if we can be so pedantic and so picky about the small things in our life, why is it that when we're choosing a life partner, we have to make the decision instantly and we also have to make the decision quickly? Yeah. Because a lot of the time people criticize you if you're dating Mm. for more than a year, more than two years. You're going to be with that person for the rest of your life. What is the rush? Exactly. Why is there this panic to be obsessed with marriage? I mean, you're still so young. Yeah. I'm 30. And I don't think that this year I have ever gone a week without one person mentioning when I'm getting married. I swear on my mom's life. Oh, my God. The other day it happened four times in one day. Oh, my God. I was like, this is getting nuts now. But there is this obsession with that. And we're so focused Mm. on the end goal, aren't we? Yeah. I think... You know, with breakups as well, it's like, it's just another person though. This was a stranger that entered your life. You were with them for a few months, a year, and now they're gone. But you've been with yourself your entire life. So why are you now prioritizing the loss of them and then losing yourself in the process of that? That is so true. That completely changed my mindset when I realized that. I was like, who even is this person? They were a stranger to, I didn't even know they existed last year. Um, I am my number one priority. and I need to focus on myself. And another person's going to come, and that's fine. There's going to be people that are watching this, and I know that because there's, I, I have wild comments at the moment, by the way. When, when you have strong women online speaking, some men are very triggered. They, are, they, they seem to feel as if I'm like attacking them specifically and I'm talking directly to them, saying I hate them. But there's going to be people who are triggered by what you just said. I love it. Bring it on. <laughs> Why do you think that people are so triggered by what you've just said. Could be, sorry, so triggered by what you've just said. By you saying that you're just another person, there will be people that will say, and I know for sure, that's this is the problem with modern day women. They don't value relationships. We're just another number. No, you do value relationships. That's why you're in them and you're going to grieve that person. But we need to stop putting other people before ourselves. Like that person's going to walk up, your ex is going to walk away and they're going to be heartbroken as well, but they're going to move on. And they're going to recreate their life and you should as well. And I don't think it should be as dramatic as we make it out to be. Like, I know we were all raised on Bollywood, but that's not real life, unfortunately. I remember I was speaking to someone and they just said, can I do anything about it? Can I change? Because if I can change it, I'll be back together with them. And I don't want to be with them. Mm. So now what am I going to do? Ruin my life? What am I going to do? Stay in bed and be sad because that's what Bridget Jones did and that's what I should be doing? Mm. Absolutely not. When you're going through a breakup as well, I think you can be in really low energy. You know, low vibration, 
feeling loads of negative things. And in that moment, the idea of even like manifesting something can just feel really overwhelming. But you've said you've been in that place multiple times. Have you ever manifested from that place? Yes. I think for me, it's because I love breakups. I feel more positive energy because I'm like, this is a new beginning. I love that. Yeah. And what's the craziest thing you've manifested? Okay, you're going to love this story. A year ago today, so November 2022, what year are we in? 2023. (laughs) So a year ago today, November 2022, I was living with my grandparents. I just graduated university and I was trying to grow my YouTube channel. It was on 2000 subscribers, if that. I was just working up towards that. Every single day I was filming a TikTok or a video or scripting something and every evening I would go on a walk and I would listen to a podcast. That was like my time. And I found this new podcast that I was listening to and I really, really liked it. I was like, I love what this podcast stands for and talks about. Um, and I would I've listened to a few episodes and I remember one evening I called my boyfriend and I said, I just found this new podcast and I love it. And I feel like I'm supposed to be on this podcast. I might DM the person and pitch myself. And he was like, yeah, you should do it. And then I thought about it the next day and I thought, you know what? No, I'm not gonna pitch myself because I'm still really small. I have such a small following. So I I told myself, one day I'm gonna blow up and I'm gonna have a lot of followers and this person's gonna reach out to me and ask me to be on that podcast. And that podcast was this one. Stop! (laughs) Shivani DM'd me last week and I saw your DM and I screamed because I forgot that I was manifesting that this time last year. That's gonna make me cry. That is, I was like, which podcast is it? And then, cause you told me you're going on another podcast today. I was like, oh, are you going to remember? <laughs> no way. Yeah. I would see your TikTok. cry. And I was like, I love what she talks about. And you don't see this enough, especially in the South Asian community. And I would love to be on this podcast, but I thought, no, let me leave it oh up God, to the right. universe. Oh my God, she's crying. <laughs> that is so sweet. That yeah. is so sweet. That's a power of manifestation. Oh God, I'm a bit speechless. I don't really know what to say. <laughs> that is so sweet. Wait, I was like, what? also when you were telling me the story, I did think, is it mine? But then like, because you told me you're going on another one today, I was like, oh, it must be the one that you're going on. And I was like, how cool, I want to know which one it is. Then I was thinking, okay, who can I do this for in my head? As I was thinking, well, <laughs> I love that. I that want to say so it. sweet. That is such a great story. Also, we've been talking and you never mentioned that. Because I wanted to get your reaction on camera, so I was saving it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Good content. But also, <laughs> the reason why I didn't think it was mine is most people, when I ask them, because that's happened a few times, they'll tell me straight there and then. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh my God, that's so sweet. But that was very good storytelling. I was, I was tempted to tell you downstairs, but I thought this is going to be better on camera. I love that. That yeah. is so amazing. Crazy, well, isn't it? One day I'll be on your YouTube channel and I'll be manifesting that. All all goes full circle. (laughs) But no, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. And I just love that story. That really means a lot. So thank you. Thank you.